0: Well, today is Friday, and we are also, this is Lisa Hawkins with Christian Warrior Woman. And today we are at Joshua 12. And it's kind of, um, the Lord obviously planned this, but it's actually a perfect day going into the weekend. I know some of you are like me, we have to work tomorrow, but it still is the weekend. We have Sunday. I look forward to Sunday when I'll be off. But um, it's a day of thankfulness. And when you read Joshua 12, what's awesome about it is that it's about listing the defeated kings that not only that Joshua conquered, but that Moses conquered. And all of these territories were based on God's promise. And as you've seen in the last 11 chapters, You've seen where Joshua has taken on the leadership role, how he prayed so faithfully that the sun stood still and they gained hours to their day to bring victory. And I hope in these days that it's made you ponder the strength of your prayer, the strength of your belief, the strength in your faith, in how in your current situation or the circumstances that you're living in, that you could speak to your circumstances in faith to bring change. And what I want you to do today um, in your journal, because as women and probably men alike, we spend a ton of time about what's not working, what I don't have, what I want to have, what I should have, what I deserve to have, and what maybe somebody took from you or someone denied you. But we don't spend a lot of time listing what we should be thankful for, what we should be grateful for. And in the things of, that we view successful, do we ever stop and think where God was in those circumstances? We, a lot of times I'll hear people say, oh gosh, I was lucky. No, you weren't lucky. You were blessed. No, you weren't lucky. God was for you and God has a plan of success for you. And we need to talk this language. You know, many um, women say they want to see their sons and their children saved. But do your children and your sons and your daughters hear you talk about how God is good, not just in the words of saying, I see you go to church, clap your hands, or sing a song, or you might just say, Oh, the Lord is good, but do you talk about the goodness He's brought to your life? Do you share real, raw life examples of how The Lord rescued you, whether it was rescued you from poverty, rescued you from homelessness, rescued you from from drugs and addictions, rescued you from an abusive relationship or parents, rescued you from unemployment, whatever it may be, rescued you from depression, stress, um, saved you from in your health, maybe a disease or pregnancy. There are so many things that The Lord does for us that we are somewhat cavalier or or almost feel entitled or, you know, that kind of happens to everybody. And we're not grateful for what we have this day. Um, I know many of you are in another country, but in the United States today, in Virginia Beach, a gunman went to his job and went floor to floor shooting people with a gun. He killed 11 people at his workplace. Today on the news, Virginia Beach says, it's the most horrific day in their history of such a thing. And imagine when we're talking about what we're thankful and grateful for, how many of those employees are grateful that they are with their families tonight. And we spend so much time on how we look, or what we're wearing, or what shoes we can get, or maybe we don't live in the right house that we like, or maybe our furniture doesn't look like what we see on HGTV, you know, or maybe our husband isn't as in as great shape as the guy on TV. There are so many different things. Maybe we don't vacation. Maybe this summer we're not vacationing where we wanted to because we don't have the money. Those are a lot of things that are desires. But when it comes down to it, if you had 30 days to live, how important would some of the things that you want today, how important would those be? And I always try to tell myself, when I find myself upset or, you know, tripping off of something that's really insignificant, I have to remind myself, okay, you're upset is would this be important if you had 30 days to live? And then it's like, no. And then it brings me back to reality. So that might be something you might want to try is sometimes, you know, I did an exercise years ago um, with a women's group where I had them write out what would be their priority. If you knew you had 30 days to live, what activities would you choose to do um, with family or friends or whatever. And everybody made up their list. If You had 30 days to live. What would you want to say or do? And they had their lists. And the question is, why do you need to be dying to do this if you knew that this is something that you want to do? We should live knowing that any day could be our last day. And the good news is, that if something were to happen to us, that we know the Lord, and that we are saved. And you know, many people leave their home for work in the morning and and don't return. And so we all can fall prey to that even in ourselves. So we want the, the gratitude of being thankful that you can get home and hug your children, and give them a bath and give them a kiss. And they're healthy, and they're strong, and we're all in one household in the evening. So as you read Joshua 12, you will see Joshua list out all the kings and all the territories and all the things that the Lord has done for them. And how, you know, even when you get to verse um, 6, it says, Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the Israelites conquered them. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave their land to the Reubenites the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh to be their possession. And then there's a list of the kings of the land that Joshua and the Israelites conquered. And in this list, this list is giving their praise and how they did that is with God. And if you read this list, it's a long list. And so I dare you, there are 31 kings in all that Joshua and the Israelites and and Moses conquered with God. How many things can you list in your journal today that you could say that you conquered, even if you didn't acknowledge that it was God and you thought it was just you, it was God. And so anything that you value from from your childhood on through today, would that not be a time over this weekend to be thankful And to share your gratitude and to give praise to God in your journal and in your prayer. And even maybe taking the time to share with your children the truth of your relationship. You see, we want them to know God. And we might tell our children, well, read your Bible or go to church. But the real message about our Lord Jesus Christ is in you. It's in what he's done for you it's in how you live your life. And that's who your children see. And they see you and they should be seeing God. They should see compassion. They should see love. They should see that the Lord is changing you day by day. And it's difficult. I don't know about you. I've had trying teenagers and it's difficult. It makes you really need Jesus when you're going through their teens. But thank God I have boys. I heard girls are worse. So I send that extra prayer for you guys with daughters, you ladies with daughters. But we need to be grateful. So let me just shoot some um, scriptures that talk about thankfulness. And I pray that this weekend, that when you look at your list, you really know that it's not about that we need to puff up God. It's about us recognizing his power in our lives. Why? Because what he has done for you before, it will help you have faith to handle what's in front of you today, or what may happen to you tomorrow. In our circumstances, when we say that we need to extend our faith for um, to pay our mortgage, or to Go on vacation and do something fun for our family. We have to look back at who has God been to us all along? And I had to remind myself, then why would He change? When I started my own business, uh, the first thing, and many of you may be able to relate, it was every month I was like, Am I going to make the rent? I'm doing this business. Lord, are you with me? And I think I shared before, it would be like the final hour. Um, the bill would be paid. And it took me like nine months to finally not worry if I had, if the business had all the bills paid by half of the month or if it was the last day in the month because I decided to put my trust in God. Now, I will tell you, it took me nine months. It should have taken me three, you know, and that's what I say, but it took me nine months to finally, when I got to the ninth month, I stopped worrying whether I had it in there, whether I had the money or didn't, I stopped worrying. And I put my trust in God. And I don't know where you are in your faith. But this that's why this list will reinforce you to extend your faith that even when you pray and you're saying, Lord, I thank you that you brought me through this troubling time. And I put my trust in you, God, to know that this time and in times in the future, that you can pray through in that confidence that God is for you. And it's not about you being perfect. It's not about you being the the one who's chosen. God chose you because you are here. You are chosen. And the word says that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. The plan is never for you to fail. The plan is for you to succeed and win. That's why we need the Lord with us in the battle, not on the sideline, but we need to be praying out and writing out and discussing and finding scriptures that make us bring peace. We need to shed anxiety with filling our hearts with the peace of the Lord. So I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures um, about thankfulness, and then you can use these or you can explore some for yourself. And it's about thankfulness. And you'll find that um, when you see people in the Bible being thankful, they're giving praise and being thankful. And sometimes it's accompanied with trumpets and cymbals and other instruments or sing. You may find that you may be a good singer or you may be a bad singer. God does not care. When you go in your prayer closet and you're giving thanks to God, and if you have a song in your heart, sing that. I have found that singing and music and really getting into that place of praise with the Lord, it's not always having the perfect prayer. It's having a sincere heart. It's being transparent. It's like letting yourself let go of the day's anxiety, worry, and stress of what's going on around you and allow the Lord to come in and silence the noise with his peace. Do you getting that? Silence the noise in your life with the Lord's peace. It's not about, oh, we just tell you, read the Bible, read the Bible. But what it is about when the Holy Spirit shares things with you. When I was, I would say, a, a Christian on milk when I was a young woman, And I had no real pattern to reading the word because I felt like I was hearing the word three, four times a week with being in church and going to all these things. I would just open the Bible and then say, well, if the Lord wants to talk to me when I open the Bible, there'll be a word there for me. And to be quite honest, there was. And that worked for a while. It was like, you know, you're young, you're naive, or you may be a new believer. And many people have that testimony that they would just open the word, looking for the Lord to give them a sign or some type of word. And he would. And it worked and it worked for a while. And then, you know, I stopped doing, you know, reading that way. But initially, if that's what gets you in the word, then you run with it but I'm just telling you that we need to use the word to guide our lives, not for thinking all of a sudden we're going to have a psychic moment. If we open the scripture and it'll tell us that your answer is yes, or your answer is no. We have a relationship with God that we can pray and we can talk to him just like we would talk to a best friend. And I tell you, that I found myself sometimes talking to the Lord, sharing things that I would never share with someone else and literally getting my answer or getting a feeling of peace and realizing what the truth is. And it's so important that we ditch lies, we ditch doubt, we ditch fears and you do that in your prayer time. You do that in your reading of the word time," and you do that in church or with friends or girlfriends that are that are close with you, believe it or not, they have fears as well. They may not be showing it because you know the christianese way is to make everybody think you 're well and highly favored, but in reality you 're not the only person who's struggling with depression um, i 've met many ministers and pastors wives that have struggled with depression, and suicidal thoughts. So I hope this makes you realize that because someone's on a pulpit doesn't mean that they're not dealing with the struggles of daily life in the same way that you are. We are all human. We're all flesh and blood. And we all have a plan with the Lord. But we also have struggles. And we have family members who can you know, make our struggles even appear stronger or more intense at different times in our lives. So today, I want you to focus on your list of all the things you could be thankful. So let me get back to giving you some scriptures. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4.15. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 9.11 You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Remember that, ladies, generous. On every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Let me think of another one. Psalms 9-1 I will give thanks to you Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all your wondrous deeds. Is that not appropriate for today? That I will, what did we talk about? About sharing the list of all the Lord's wondrous deeds. And Sharing that is important. We want others to know how great our God is and the sacrifices that he's made. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God will transcend all understanding. Will guard your hearts. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3:16 3:16 through 17. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you read as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. And I'm going to end with this last one, Psalms 107, 8 through 9. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. So I send you today the Lord's own words that he satisfies the He satisfies the thirsty. I don't know what you're thirsty for. What are you thirsty for in your life? What is your need? And he fills the hungry. What are you praying desperately for from the Lord? Because he fills you with good things. So I pray for each of you that you will receive the Lord's good thing in your life right now. Believe with me so that whatever you feel is defeating you that you will overcome and overtake. And you will be able to add that battle and that victory to the list in your journal. I pray for you. Pray for me. And definitely um, give me a holler on Anchor or touch base with me on Facebook and it's Christian Warrior Woman. Definitely want to hear from you and know that you're being encouraged and that what the Lord is doing in your life. I'm definitely looking forward and I hope over the weekend um, you can take some time and give me a shout and you know even send me things that you'd like for me to pray for you about. I um, I pray for your safety this weekend. And I pray that you take time to be thankful for your family and to share and love. Remember, time is short. So let's be thankful and appreciate those in our lives that need our attention. The things that we want and all of those desires, think about how really are are they really important? What's really important in life? And I pray you truly get wisdom on what to be grateful and thankful for. Amen. Have a good day. It's Lisa Hawkins, and this is Christian Warrior Woman. We are going to start tonight in the book of Ruth. And we're going to start with chapter one. And we're going to talk about um, Naomi. We're going to talk about Elimelech. We're going to talk about um, her sons, Malon and Kilion. And so what's going on? We're not going to do the whole. I'm going to talk about the first part of this first chapter. First of all, we are in the days of when the judges ruled. And as I mentioned yesterday, this is after um, Joshua died and, you know, Israelites went back and forth with their wayward ways. Let's call it that. And so in this time, there was this family. And I'm going to start in verse one for you. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. So, when you think about Moab, and you can get out, um, you know, biblical geography and see from where and where um, the distance is, but Moab was a place where there was pagan worship. There were, um, it just wasn't exactly... It was probably, you know, in thinking from a Christian and a holy standpoint, from an Israelite, of how they should live, they kind of went to live among folks that were the exact opposite and kind of what God had warned them to live apart from these type people who worshipped, you know, many gods and, you know, sex was involved, etc., sacrificing of children, all kinds of things were going on. So... The man, verse two, the man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. And bottom line is they were from Bethlehem and they went to Moab to live there. So obviously where they were from, there was famine. And so they went there for for work. And I'm sure he thought, gosh, with our people, they are... You know, starving and struggling, and why not take my family someplace where, away from my people, where they can survive and thrive, etc. So there's a lot of debate on, was this a wise decision, or not a wise decision, a decision of when if God makes a promise to you and in the midst of that promise, there could be struggle. There could look like that things aren't going to way the way you had hoped or the way maybe that God had promised. And you take matters into your own hands. It does look like that because they chose not to stay. It doesn't state in the scripture that the Lord told him to go to Moab, but he made that decision. And it's very clear when it says the famine and he took his family there. Not only did he take his family there, but they wound up marrying two Moab women. So you're like, wow, you know, that was definitely something the Lord did state that his people should not do. So what happens to them while they're there? So when we go to verse three, we see now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpa and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died and Naomi was left without her sons and her husband. So can you imagine you you move because you're struggling and you're in famine and you go to another land thinking um, that things would get better and you lose your husband. And then maybe you feel like you have hope because your sons take on wives so you'll have grandchildren and then your sons die. I don't know about you, how I relate to just this portion of it. Have you ever had like, it just seems like back-to-back struggle? And when you have that back-to-back struggle, you feel like and you realize, gosh, I must be out of the will of God or God has forgotten about me. Or, and you can go one or two places. You can either walk away from what you believe because you lose hope and you lose faith and you can waller in depression and just think life is over, and especially for a woman, think about it in those times when a man um, represented your house, represented um, your home, your property, and to not have a man in the home and not to have your sons there and to just be women, and you're in a land of paganism and Moab, and you're not exactly the most popular type of folks in this territory either so imagine how it could you can easily become victimized and have other things happen so the one thing though is clear it appears that naomi has been you know because we don't know if naomi suggested for them to move or she was just being obedient to her husband in following him to moab if he said go to moab I mean, it appears that um, Naomi went along, so we don't know if it was her choice or him being head of the household, he made that decision. But I, I think where where we can relate to this piece is, we can be in the will of God, and that does not stop struggle and, and stress, and it could be homelessness for some people, it could be addiction for some people, But we can wind up in that dry, wandering desert land where we can't see any fruit coming in the horizon. And can any of you relate to that? I know I can look at seasons in my life where it seemed like, gosh, I did this thinking it would help this. And then this other thing happened. And then it just starts in a spiral. You know, maybe you're in a bad job and you're thinking maybe I should look for a better job. And if you read in the book, I got a great opportunity. Someone tripled, you know, my income to get a higher level position. This is what you work for. This is what you do in your career. And I make this move that winds up, you know, almost giving me a heart attack. But it didn't start out to be something bad. It started out like it was looking like something good. But the one thing that's missing from this scripture, this passage, and the one thing that is probably missing when we struggle in those situations at times is did we pray and did we ask God first? Because you will find, and sometimes that doesn't mean you avoid struggle. Moses had struggle and he heard directly from God what to tell Pharaoh. So I can only imagine when he got there and Pharaoh said no, and he was like, well, dang, the Lord told me to come say this. (laughs) He should have done this, right? We assume if the Lord tells us this, that we just do this and it's going to happen automatically. Well, the Lord could tell you to do something. I mean, think about it. Think how long it was from when Moses was born and put into the river as a child to protect him that when he set the children of Israel free. It wasn't 10 years, it wasn't 20 years, it wasn't 30 years. I mean, when he was run out of town, he was gone a very long time. You're talking about 40 years out um, with his family. So when we think that because God told us something to do, that doesn't mean it's next week. So in this situation with Elimelech and his wife, we don't hear that God told him to go to Moab like the Lord told Joseph um, to go to Egypt or, you know, he wasn't given that direction. It appears that he went because of the struggle of his people. And But where I see God's faithfulness and loyalty is in the fact of what happens with Naomi and why this book is named the Book of Ruth. And what I want you to think about in your journal right now is think about when you've seen multiplications of, "I made this decision, that I thought was for the better, then this happened." And when I did that, then that happened. And just ask yourself, did you ever hear from God in those decisions? And I think what I've learned, and even some of the little, the things that I think are obvious. You know, if you're going to make more money or move or great opportunity as a single mom for your children, I saw it as praise the Lord. This is a gift. (laughs) But I should have seek the Lord first. And when I told the recruiter, I need to think about it. I should have told him I need to think about it. But for myself, I should have said, I need to pray about it. And so I want to share this because It will be huge to prevent the things that appear because the enemy can always bring things that appear to be the next step, the right move or something that will benefit you. And it can take you off the course that God has for you and that you are already on that would lead to your success. So let's continue in the story. And if you need to pause to make your notes, obviously you can do that now. And then we'll move on to the next thought. Um, next thought. So we're now in verse six. So when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come, that the Lord had come, not that they just got lucky, but that the Lord had come to the aid of his people. By providing food for them, she and her daughter and daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. So it's interesting that in this verse, it says, when she heard the Lord had come to the aid. Well, in her mind, the Lord hadn't come to their aid where they were because they didn't wait upon the Lord. You know, it's about waiting. And when she heard that, she darted back. So, oops, this didn't work out, obviously. I lost my husband. I lost my sons. I've got daughters-in-laws. We need to go back. Because it actually, in those days, was, was somewhat dangerous for them to be women there in the home alone. It reminds me of the movie. So... With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud, then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods interesting her people and her gods go back with her but Ruth replied don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you where you go I will go and where you stay I will stay your people will be my people and your God my God where you die I will die and there I will be buried may the Lord deal with me be it ever so severely if even death separates you and me When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. And I'm going to stop there. Now, the thing that I find um, key or clue in this passage, people always focus on in in the beginning about how, wow, uh, you know, about Ruth and, and making this sacrifice. And it is huge. But something that I find interesting that even adds to the power of the story of Ruth and Naomi because i believe in this book it it's Naomi sometimes get gets underrated but there are some significant things that she says but i can relate to Naomi in this statement because what does Naomi say in the portion i just read to you Naomi is thinking from her human mind and when she says Because Naomi only thinks that they could marry her sons. You see how her limited thinking is limited to her thoughts. This tells me that she knows that her taking two Moab women back with her to Judah, that no one would marry them there. Because why couldn't she take them back to Israel? I mean, to, you know, to Judah, to her people, and the same way they married her sons, they could marry other men if they went back with her. But she doesn't say that, and it seems quite obvious that she doesn't seem to even think that's an option. Because she has to go to the point of, I would have to marry someone, and then you'd have to wait for those kids to grow up. That's the only idea that she could come up with, which tells me, then she doesn't believe that there is a man in Judah that would marry either one of them. And so when I when I think of it that way, I think of many of the single women. I live in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And I I meet women who don't believe that they're going to get married or don't believe um, they're going to have children because of their past luck thus far. And I always tell women, you only need one man. And it doesn't matter if there's 50 to one of men to women in Atlanta. You only need one. So that means the other 49 won't have one, but that doesn't mean God doesn't have one for you. And I think sometimes we get caught up in statistics, and we get caught up in what we think. And we don't allow that limitless mindset to set in for us to to know that whatever the case may be, God will have a plan for us. So in this scenario, Ruth, which I think um, speaks so high of her character, that she makes the decision, your God will be my God. She's a Moab, and she comes from worshiping multiple gods. As you heard Naomi told Orpah, go back to your mother's house and your gods. So obviously, Orpah was still worshiping in, in, as the, in the Moab tradition. But Ruth made a decision That she wanted not only to be there for Naomi from a loyalty standpoint, but from a faith standpoint as well. She was making a choice over what she was going to choose to believe. And then on top of it, choosing how she would live. Because she also brought into play, she said, your people will be my people. Your God, my God. She also knew when Naomi was coaxing her to go back, that probably, you know, people are going to discriminate against her in Judah. She wasn't going thinking that she would be welcomed. She knew almost going might ensure she not get another husband. But her commitment was to Naomi and it was to the God that she saw in Naomi. The love, obviously, the love Naomi showed to her daughters was immense because both of them wanted to go with her. Both of them were grief and in crying to separate from her. So we obviously know that the relationship was strong. But in spite of the discrimination or how Ruth may be treated in this future territory, she was committed to stand by Ruth's side no matter the cost. And it reminds us just the same because she said, You're God, your people, your God, and you. She made a decision that those three things that she would honor, that she would honor Naomi as her mom and as, you know, over her, her guardian, and God. So we know already that she has gone with a a commitment of how to live and made a choice. And think about a young woman with no children and in those days not having a husband is not something that a wise woman would do. And you're going to a land where they're not supposed to marry women like you. So she wasn't focused on Herself. She was focused now on what she knew to be her truth, that her life would be dedicated to living it with Naomi. And I think in this, we so see God. We see God for Naomi. Naomi didn't have to travel and go back alone with nobody. Imagine going back after you left. Talk about gossip and the neighbors. She left with. A husband and had sons and they had daughters and she came home, you know, a cursed woman. She came home alone and everyone was gone or dead. What a sad, what a sad position to be in. But Ruth had grace for her mother-in-law. So the two women... The next verse says that, so the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And this is in scripture. This is me ad-libbing here. Can you imagine the gossip line, ladies? Can you imagine? Look who's coming back. Look how they're coming back, you know, with their tails between their legs. Can you just imagine this situation? So when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? And Naomi, she she goes into humble mumble mode real quick in verse 20 by saying, don't even call, don't call me Naomi. She told them, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. So, as we can see, Naomi comes back, woe is me. They stir up gossip. You can only imagine what they're t- saying about Ruth and, and about Naomi. But that's not the end of the story. You see, they went back. And so the, the portion that I want to talk about here is that sometimes we go and do our own thing and it doesn't work. And there's no shame, even though we may feel it. We may feel like we have to eat crow. Maybe we have to go back to our parents' house. Maybe, you know, this relationship didn't work and I had to, and my parents told me not to marry him and not move in with this person. And you have to take your kids and, you know, knock on the door of your parents and ask if you can stay there because of an abusive person or he's running around or whatever it may be. Sometimes we do have to step backwards to go forward. And sometimes we have to admit we were wrong. We made bad choices. And that's okay. That's life. No person, no matter how great their life may look on the outside, it's got mistakes on the inside. Because we're human and we're flawed and we have those mistakes. But don't let your pride... Make you stay in an abusive situation where you're being physically harmed or your children are being physically harmed because you're afraid of what other people might say or what gossip may happen. Make that hard choice. Be strong. Be courageous. Make the decision for your safety. That's what Naomi had to do. She had to with the deaths of the sons and the men in her life, she had to make a decision that would be safe for her daughter-in-laws and herself. And staying there, if you ever read about what life was like in Moab in those days, it would not have been safe or wise for her to stay there. So they left, as she said, full. Full of hope. Full of desire for a better life. I'm sure they went before the coffer was empty, and she came back with nothing. And sometimes we lose everything. But what we know we can do is we can come back to Christ. We can come back to the Lord. We can come back and say, I was wrong. I made a mistake. Forgive me, Lord, for I have sinned, or I was out of your will. And I need to come back and I need to maybe start again. And what you will find is the Lord will meet you there. So tomorrow, we will go to chapter two. But in this chapter, I want you to think about that last key as well in your journal. What are you afraid to admit is a mistake Was wrong, and is it pride keeping you from admitting that? Maybe even to the Lord, maybe even in your prayers. It's hard for you to admit that. Maybe to a parent, maybe to a guardian, maybe to a spiritual um, person that you have accountability to. Try to share something that may be holding you back today because admitting you were wrong. The enemy is using shame or fear or doubt or worry to target you about this area. You will feel freedom when you are able to kneel down or able to talk about it out loud. And we're going to go on this journey together to see how Naomi returning home, if it turns into a blessing, Or does it turn into more regrets? Well, stay tuned as we talk about it tomorrow. God bless.